0: الحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد النبي العالمين الذي اسمه مكتوبا في الانجيل والتوراة أما بعد قال الله عز وجل في كتابه العزيز وَدَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانُ الرَّجِيمِ بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أما ما ينفع الناس فيمكث في الأرض وقال في مقام آخر الناس من يشري نفسه الله والله بالعباد وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يا سفيان جئتكم الدنيا والآخرة أسلم وكما قال النبي الله عليه وسلم brothers and sisters if we were to try to reflect upon a single word in the Quran or for that sake even in Hadith that can define the world, in our life in the world, just through one word. And if we were to study Qur'an, hadith, and try to take out this one word and, ho- and, and, and dive into all of that which is mentioned, and just find one word that can truly define the reality of life, that one word will be, Life is a test. That is the word that is used by Allah to define life. What is life? Life is a test. The great Hassan al-Basri, would say, dunya al-bala." That the reality of life is that it is an examination hall. It's a test for you, and every single person has a different test. There's no two people. Who have the same exam. There's no person that you can look into and say, Hey man, I see your answers. I see your questions. Everyone has a different exam. Everyone has a different formula. Everyone has a different process. But life, through the words of Allah, is a test. Now, like any other test in the world, it can become difficult. It can become, it can become demanding. It can make you anxious. It can make you angry. It can make you tired. It can make you it can bring you down. And at times it can bring you up it can make you hopeless it can make you lose the, the reality of why you're even doing it but just like that life is the same it has the same aspect of an exam how do you keep yourself confined to that what you're doing in, in life when you have a true exam or a real exam you keep your eye on the prize you're told in two years you'll be done and this is what you'll have in five years you'll be wearing this and you'll be earning this. In 10 years, you'll be the dean of this. Keeping your eye ahead and your eye on the prize is what keeps us motivated and what keeps us moving. Similarly, the one formula, the one answer that can be utilized for every single person in their different exams is to make sure we realize that the purpose of the exam is not to pass in this world. We don't want to see We don't want to see the results of our answers in this world. We don't per se want to see the fruits of our answers to this exam in this world. Our results and our fruits and and the purpose of all of this will be reflected to us in the Akhirah if we are able to keep the prize in front of us. What is the prize? What keeps us moving forward? What motivates us? The prize is very simple the prize is allahus samad the prize is having the ridha and the pleasure of allah the prize is having allah being happy with you the gift is having allah's happiness in your life the gift is having allah mention your name within the group in the gatherings of angels man fi nafsi dhakartu fi nafsi whosoever thinks of me whosoever thinks of me for a moment i think of him or her and whosoever speaks about me in a gathering, guess what? I speak about him in a gathering far greater and far more superior than the feeble gatherings that we sit in. Allah says, Keep your eye on the prize. The prize is Allah will be with us. The, 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 the problem with us and anyone living in the world, we're living in a time which is riddled with confusions. It's difficult, it becomes challenging. We forget who Allah is. So to keep Allah as a prize, it's important to realize who Allah is and what Allah can truly do for us. Who is Allah? How do you define Allah? How do I recognize who Allah is? Allah is who? Allah is the one that gave us life. Ibn Qayyim says the greatest blessing is wujud, is we're actually alive. That is a blessing. Allah gave us a family. Allah gave us eyesight. Allah gave us wealth. Allah gave us peace. If Allah gave it to us, Allah can take it from us. Allah can give it and Allah can take it. No one can question the decree or the order and the judgment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah controls everything. Nothing can make Allah become tired. So if that Allah is available for us, normally people of such a nature don't have time for lower people like us. But Allah says, hey, You ask about me and I'm right next to you. I am with you at every single turn of your life. In those moments that every single person goes through, regardless if you're enjoying life or if you're struggling in life, there are moments in your life where you think to yourself that who is really with me? How did my father just pass away? How did I have how did I lose my child? How is it possible that I lost my job? How is it possible that I don't have anyone to be with? How is it possible? Allah is there for you. Allah is there for us. The simplest the simplest friend that we can have is Allah. Because he, no, he has no exterior demands. You know what Allah wants. For you. Allah already has put it forth for you. How do we connect ourselves to that Allah? Allah says in Hadith Qudsi, Ya Adam, لو إِنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ عَلَىٰ سَعِيدٍ If every single person gathered upon one plain, one land, one area, and at one time instantly echoed their own desires and needs, and at that moment they would be given everything that they want, وَمَا فِي مُلْكِ And nothing would decrease from my kingdom. Nothing would decrease. And I'm not a person who gives and reminds you that I gave. I'm a person that gives, you sin, and I give you again. Allah says, if my giving you was based in proportionate to your obedience, if my giving you was based in proportionate to your obedience, you would not have a single blessing left in your life. Because eyes are given as a blessing, and eyes look at wrong. Ears are given as a blessing and ears listen to haram the tongue is given as a blessing and hearts are broken by that tongue hands are given as a blessing and people are hurt by our arms and our hands the, our life is given as a blessing yet there are exterior, there there are second there are primary purposes of our life for us other than the worship of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allah says ya adam ma anṣaftani khalaqtuka wa wa allah says o oh, son of adam you have not done justice to me Allah is speaking to us. 89 times in the Quran, Allah speaks to just believers. Just to believers. Where well, Allah is in those 6,200 plus verses, in 89 of them, Allah is speaking to every single one of us. Ya أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ Oh, the ones that believe, that have iman. And in those 89, there's 35 to 40 commandments. Some are repetitions. Allah is saying, "Ya bina Adam, O son of Adam, you haven't shown justice to me. Like you haven't been fair to me in this relationship. It hasn't been reciprocal. That's not. That's messed up. How have you not been fair? Walam taku shay'a. I made you when you were nothing. You had nothing on you. Your life there was absolutely no form of a blessing in your life, and I made you a person. Allah says, Ya bina Adam." In the, like, you had hands but you were unable to grab you had a tongue but you were unable to articulate anything you had feet and you couldn't walk you had nothing and then you became something Allah Allah made us from, from, a, from a weak being and then he gave our body strength he made he morphed us into what we are now all of that is a blessing to understand what our actual goal in life is one has to recognize the greatness of Allah in order for me to go through the 12 years of medical school I better know that I will be rewarded for it once I finish in order for me to go through any struggle in life there has to be a purpose if I'm doing this if I'm doing any form of an act without a purpose, that's what you call a person that is doing, that is living life without a, in complete vain. Why are you doing it for? I don't know man, I'm just doing it. Well, you're wasting your life. Why are we doing all of this? Why was all of this put down for us? So that we can earn Allah's pleasure. Now this pleasure of Allah, at times can manifest itself in ease, and at times can manifest itself in difficulties. My difficulties in life, are not a definition of Allah being displeased with. and my ease in life is not the definition of Allah being happy neither is it vice versa once I recognize this is Allah who I want everything else is background music if I have it, I have it if I don't have it, I don't have it us people living in America we are considered rich in the hadith of the prophet ﷺ, where majority of my ummah will be poor go to our countries see people living there when you go for a Hajj people come from such poor places man they have nothing on them there was a group with me there was a group of people with uh, people in Arafah not from America they came from Uganda and I promise you like if poverty if poverty had you know uh, had a had like a gauging factor that we could gauge it by they were you know the poorest of people they had nothing they were literally sitting down on the side of the road and people would pass by and Hajj you given know, um, boxes of food. And those people that had boxes that were left would pass by and give it to them. And they were sitting there so relaxed. Such ease. Because they know that, hey man, what is to come is much better than that which you have. What is to come is ease. The person that is studying at 12 a.m. at night knows that if I study properly, I'll have ease in my life for the rest of my life. I'll have ease. If one is struggling with with any form of hardship, they should also remember that there is ease that will come. There is ease. Maybe in dunya, maybe in akhirah. The tough reality and a tough pill to swallow for us is that ease is not always shown to people in dunya. Some people live their entire lives in poverty. Some people live their entire lives without having children. Some people live their entire lives without seeing their parents. That's a reality. But they keep themselves connected to Allah. So what is to come is better for them than that, has, that which has passed. On the Day of Judgment, when a person enters into Jannah, Allah will say to them, Have you ever seen any difficulty in your life? And the man that enters into Jannah or that person that enters into Jannah will say, ya Allah, I have never seen difficulty because i see what i what i receive from him i've i've gone in jannah look at, look at what i have i have eternal bliss i have your happiness on the day of, in jannah allah will come out and he will he will say to the believers that will, that will be in jannah hopefully may allah make us amongst those he will say to them that is there anything else that I can give you? And we will respond, Ya Allah, You've made our face radiant with light and you've given us Jannah, what else can we ask for? And Allah will descend and his الحجاب, and Allah will expose himself. And in the hadith of the Prophet said in Tirmidhi, that there will be nothing that will be more beautiful for anyone in Jannah than the pleasantry of looking at Allah's face. And in that moment, Allah will say, You want something better? Let me tell you. My happiness is forever with you. My happiness is forever with you. I will never become angry at you. I will never become upset at you. I will never ever have to punish you. I'm happy with you. That's the goal. This is just background. You know, Umar once said, when speaking to his companions, he said, الدُّنْيَا مُدْبِرَةً Which means, hey, hey realize, dunya is something which is mudbirah. Mudbirah comes from the root letters of dubur, which means something which is behind. Something which is behind. And the akhirah is something which is in front of you. How that works, from, from what I understand from it, is imagine driving in a car from anywhere and there's something you want from the back seat, you want something from the back seat or you want something from the trunk if you're driving looking ahead the only way you can get something from the back seat is not by turning your face to the back and looking for that but rather just whatever comes in your hand you'll grab it and you'll bring it to the front you're not going to turn your whole body and say hey man where's my food at, where's my mom's biryani All right, I need my brother ate it you're just whatever you grab I got a date whatever that's good enough and eat it you don't turn your whole body what you do is you ask the person next to you hey man can you grab what's in the back and if you really want to grab it you have to stop your car pull up to the shoulder go in the back grab it get back in the car turn it back on and then drive that's how dunya works with akhirah. if we're more if we're moving towards مقبلة, towards the akhirah, the way to take from the dunya is without removing our eyes from the akhirah This is the prize, and whatever I get with it, I'll take with it. And if I stop my progression towards the akhirah, that's when I'm taking more from the dunya. Man ahabba dunyahu akhiratihi, man ahabba dunyahu. The Prophet says, Whosoever has dear and dire love for dunya, wanting dunya is not wrong. dunya hasana wa fil akhirati it's perfectly fine. But if that becomes your complete purpose of life, there will be, there will be definite harm that will be found within our akhirah. There has to be. And whosoever loves their akhirah, they will find some harm in their dunya. Because Allah tests people who have, who have iman. Allah doesn't test people who don't have iman. Allah is testing me because I have iman. Allah is testing me because I do pray. Allah is testing me because I do fast. It's a sign of Allah's love. It's a sign that Allah is thinking of me. How do I get through it? Keeping Allah in front of me. The greatest man that walked this earth, was given the trials and tribulations like nobody else. Like nobody else. Why was it so the Prophet was born without a father? Why was it, why was it fair? How was it fair that the Prophet's mother was snatched from him at the age of six? How was it fair that the Prophet's grandfather was taken from him at the age of eight? How was it feared that his only beloved wife Khadija was taken from him? How was it feared that his uncle was taken from him? How was it feared that his uncle Hamza was taken from him? How was it feared that out of his children, only one survived before his death and the rest of them he buried with his own hands? How was it fear? What is coming for you is much better than what you already have. Your eyes were set on the prize. The Prophet was sitting And Umar walks inside of the house and he sees the the lines in the back of Umar. And Umar gets upset. Ya Rasulullah, the people of Kisra and Qayser are enjoying on the most lavish and comfortable sofas and cushions. And you don't have something to lay on that can't harm your back? What fairness is this? And the Prophet got up and he smiled at Umar. He says, Ya Umar, won't you be happy? If we have akhirah and they have Dunya, and they don't have akhirah and they only have Dunya, Allah in the Quran makes it clear for us that, of course, Allah, we hope that everyone gets Hidayah. But Allah said that don't think, don't think those that are doing good in this world are doing good because they're better than us. They're doing good because that's all they're getting. And we're struggling because we have much more that is left. There's much more left for us. Omar, don't worry. We'll get it in the Akhirah. And we'll get much more than this. How is it so that the man who, has been, who had been given the, the, the proposition that just say the word in the, the, the mountain of Uhud will become gold for you, not figuratively, literally. It'll become gold for you and you'll have anything you want. Just say the word, man. Imagine man someone comes to us and says, Hey man, hey man want to become a millionaire? Let's say, I want to become a millionaire. Man, I'll take care of my dunya. But, you know, Akhirah will come. Just give it to me. The Prophet says, hey, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. Why don't I want it? Not because I can't bring a balance into my life. No. Of course, a Prophet could always bring a balance to his life. I don't want it because I know majority of my ummah will be masakin and fuqara And I want to be with them. I don't want to be amongst others. I want to be with the poor people. So now he's walking in the streets. And with Ibn Umar And as he's walking, he finds a date on the ground and he picks it up. He picks up the date that was hanging on the dirt of the street. And he says to Ibn Umar, Do you desire this date? You want it? Are you hungry? And Ibn Umar says, What? Bro, you just picked up a date from the ground, man. You're offering me a date you picked up from the ground. The Prophet says, yeah, Ibn Umar, wala'kin Ana Ashtahi. I want it. Why do I want it for? هذه صبح رابع ما ذقت شيئا. Ya ibn Umar, this is the fourth consecutive morning that not a morsel of food has entered into my mouth. I want it if I need it. The Prophet is sitting there in the masjid and he is praying sitting down and the color and the complexion of his face has become pale. Abu Hurairah walks in and he says, Ya Rasulullah, why do I see that the complexion of your face has been taken away? You become so pale. Prophet says to him, "Ya bahr al jura, al He's hungry. He's really hungry. How was it so that this man was in hunger if it was okay not to struggle? It was the success of this world for the akhirah is inseparable. From struggling in this life it's inseparable because every single person that will earn Jannah will go through some form of difficulty means that there has to be some form of a rebuttal there has to be an antagonist there has to be something that makes it difficult for us or else it ain't really a test and everyone's test will be different the Prophet in the battle of Khandaq and this is a one hadith in which the narrator the person that is narrating the hadith and the, and the Prophet wasallam, neither of them said a word. Neither of them said a word. They both just used sign language. Amr anhu in the expedition of Khandaq, walks up with the Prophet wasallam and he looks at him. hey, ya look at this man. Puts up his shirt, his points. Look. Prophet looks at it. He gets out of the trench, picks up his shirt. You see this now? No need for words. That's a struggle. That's a struggle. When the Prophet ﷺ passed Uruh Ibn Zubair عنه, asked his aunt, Aisha Anha, that oh my mother, why was it so when the Prophet ﷺ left this world, you had not turned on the lamp? So people could walk in and see the blessed face of the Prophet. ﷺ. They could see him. When Abu Bakr walked in, عنه, I mean Abu Bakr عنه, was a beast in every form. He, you know, if some people have highlights in their life. Highlights. Imagine if your whole life is a highlight stream. That was Abu Bakr. Every moment of his life was a highlight. One time, a man came to Omar. And he said to him, Ya ibn Umar, Anta min Abi Bakr." You know, some guys really try to get you pumped up. Right? You're better than Abu Bakr. Yeah, if it was us, brother, can you just put it on Facebook too? Just... Just share on your share on your story that I I know, but you know I want to make sure everyone knows about it, It's not just me. I, don't preach to the choir, right? Umar says, brother, عمر عمر. One day in one night from the life of this great person is better than the entire life and family and children of, of Umar What was the one day? The day when the Prophet passed away and he was a rock solid person. In the night was the night of, of hijrah. A man came to Ali and he asked him, Ya Ali, man aqwa min Sahaba. Who was the strongest from the Sahaba? And there is no doubt that the strongest among Sahaba in the form of physical strength was Ali. Umar was rough, Khalid was a strategic person. Ali had just, just bare strength, right? You couldn't mess with him. In the battle of the Khandaq, when a man jumped over the trench, one man. Finally, after 12 days, was managed to jump over the trench. And he was known as Amr ibn al-Wud. He was a man that when he would sit on the horse, his legs would touch the ground, everyone, his, his nickname was Al-Asad. He was a lion. So when he jumped over the trench, the Prophet looked at the Sahaba and he said, hey, you know, we need, some, we need someone to take care of him. Who's going to take care of him? Everyone's quiet. Ali raises his hand. Ali, put your hand down. You're still young. He just got married put your hand out it's okay he asks again Ali raises his hand put your hand out man third time he raises his hand again then the Prophet allows him to go the Rawi says when we saw the Prophet when we saw Ali walking away from the Prophet the Prophet turned his whole body away from him and we saw the Prophet was tearing because this this youngster just got married and he was his beloved son-in-law and his and his cousin young man And he, of course, the Prophet didn't know that which was unseen. This man walks up to this enemy of Islam and this guy jumps off the horse and he says to him, that, hey, I don't want to kill you, you're just a kid. Ali says, hey, but I want to take care of you. Come out. And he says, Don't get excited. You know someone gets excited? Like You think you're going you to win? Don't get excited brother. I'm here for you. Your response has come. And within moments he was on the ground. So out of sheer power there was no one like Ali He said Abu Bakr. Not because he was stronger, but he said that which was done by Abu Bakr on that one night when he carried the Prophet on his back was unparalleled to what we can do. He has to be that person. He comes in and the Prophet is laying there and his face is covered he uncovers the face of the Prophet and he says, Wa Oh my friend. Right? Imagine that emotional, the, the, the internal attachment that Abu Bakr had with the Prophet being the first to accept and literally being the second to the Prophet at everything. The second to be born after the Prophet, the second to accept Islam after the Prophet, the second in hijrah, the second in everything, even in death. The Prophet is laying there and we can realize we 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 know the Prophet's beauty didn't become less when he went. Yeah, the, the poet says, Oh the one that was lowered into lowered into his grave, the ground, the earth, became more fresh and, and fragrant by you going inside. His beauty didn't get less. He comes, he says, wa oh my oh my beloved friend, wa oh my Prophet and he kisses him on the forehead. O oh Prophet, you were beautiful when you were alive, and you're as beautiful as you have left the world. Your beauty has not diminished. You'll always be beautiful. Yes, the world has become darker. Anas ibn Malik says that when the Prophet entered into Medina, the entire city lit up. It lit up. You know when someone that you're waiting for walks inside of the hall, lights up the hall. Lights up the hall, like a bride on her, on her wedding, not a groom, it's a bride, right? Lights up the entire hall. Seeing your mother after being away for a year, she lights up your life. It's not a figure of speech, it's, a, it's true, it, you actually feel it. Seeing your son after work, it lights up your day. You know, I met someone in Pennsylvania and his son had a disease where his body was not growing but his mind was growing. So he was growing older in age but he was still very small and he was one of the happiest guys I've met. Everyone's test is different. Everyone's questions are different. But the answer is the same. Have Allah in front of us. He would say, when he, went to, when he took me to his house, I personally wouldn't think that this person was struggling like that. Because you don't, you never, the person next to you may be going through something which is harder than you. And a true, the, the true sign of sabrun jameel is la athera wa shikwa illa lillah. Nobody knows your struggle but Allah. Nobody knows your struggle. Only Allah knows. The Prophet has been described to be التبصم, that he was always smiling and he has also been described to be دائم ال... دائم he was always in sorrow and grief. How do you consolidate both of these descriptions which are completely contrary to each other? He was always smiling yet he was always grieving. He was always smiling when in front of people because putting on a good face for his sahabas and he was always grieving when he was alone and that's when he was crying to Allah smiling in front of people. When the Prophet passes, when he came into Medina, and when he passed away, everything became dark. Everything was taken away. The man asked his aunt, why did you not have light in that room? It doesn't make sense to me. Aisha responds to him and says, oh my dear nephew, I promise you if I had oil to light up the lamp, I would have taken it. I would have taken it. In our house, we would see a moon, a second moon. And the third moon, Ra'in al-Hilal. Ra'in al-Hilal. Ra'in al-Hilal. Three months would pass by, and our stove would never turn on. It wouldn't turn on. That's difficulty. But yet, the greatest reward is given because of that difficulty. And through that, we're all Muslims. So our difficulty is incentivized by people coming closer to Allah. If our we all we all go through difficulties, but the difficulties may have different objectives. I struggle for work, but I struggle for work to make money. I struggle for school, well, I struggle for school to get a degree. I struggle for Allah. That struggle is speaking to Allah. That struggle is making dua. That struggle is sitting in the middle of the night and crying to Allah. إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ نِدَاءً خَفِيًّا وَزَكْرِيَةَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ is speaking about how he would make dua to Allah. إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ نِدَاءً خَفِيًّا Allah says about His du'a when He describes the du'a of Zakaria, He would constantly turn towards me, khafiyya, when no one was around him, it was hidden. Aisha radiAllahu anha says that one day, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam enters my room, lays next to me. he lays next to me. I mean, imagine having the Prophet alive in such close proximity, right? That is Jannah. One Sahaba came to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah. I'm sad. So what are you sad for, brother? Just, I was thinking about Jannah. Are you okay? Are thinking about Jannah and you're sad? Right? You should be thinking about Jannah and get happy. And no, no. I thought about Jannah and I realized that you'll be up there and I'll be down here. I'll have everything, but I won't have your companionship. Is that really a Jannah for me? The Prophet smiled at him and said, no, no. Al-mar'u ma'aman ahab. You'll be with whom you love. If you love me, you'll be with me. A sahaba asked the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Malik What a profound question. He said, Ya Rasulullah, where will I find you on the Day of Judgment? What a nice question. You know some people have good questions, some people have not so good questions. <laughs> Everyone has a good question. Right? Where will I find you on the Day of Judgment? Like, There's going to be so many people there. I want to know where I can find you, man. The Prophet says, let me tell you. Three spots, you'll find me in one of these three spots. Number one, Alas Sirat, you'll find me on the bridge. And I'll be on that bridge and I'll be picking people up that are about to fall, that are stumbling. I'll grab them and I'll take them forward. And I'll be making dua. Allahumma sallim, Allahumma sallim. Oh Allah, please allow them to pass. Allow them to pass. And I'll have my people with me like Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali who are also helping, pushing people forward, helping them, ushering them. Ushering them past the sirat. Right? Isn't, that, isn't that the word we use, about ushering? Right? Ushering them past the sirat. And then Allah, then the Prophet says, if you don't find me there, where can you find me? Where the scales are being weighed. And I'll be making dua under the arsh of Allah. Allahumma thakil, Allahumma Oh Allah, make it heavier. Oh Allah, make it heavier. If you can't find me there, you'll definitely find me on the hawth of Kauthar. You'll find me. You'll find me where I'll be giving water to every single believer. That's where you'll find me. Their worry was, will I be with the Prophet? It wasn't whether if I'm struggling right now, man, how am I going to get through this? If I'm struggling right now, Think about seeing the face of the Prophet in Jannah. Think about him coming to you and saying, Hey man, you made it. You made it. Think about Allah calling out that I'm never gonna get angry at you again. Think about being with sahabas. Think about being with your parents. Allah says in the Quran that you know, you would ask that what is Jannah without my parents? Right? What is Jannah without my loved ones? And if though for those that have not lost loved ones, then that perhaps doesn't strike a chord, but for those that have lost parents or young or kids or, or, or a spouse or a grandmother or a grandfather, what will Jannah be if I'm not with them? Allah says, don't worry. <laughs> Whosoever believes, I will, I will connect them with their parents. I will connect them with their children. And I won't take the person on top lower. I'll take the one lower and move them above. You know, normally, if your fam- if your if your um, spouse or if your brother or sister, whoever it is, is in business lounge in business class and you're in economy, the only way you can be together is what? They come back. It's not like, hey, my my you know my husband you know my, my brother is in business class. Can I also go? With brother, he'll come here, right? And most likely or not, the guy will say your spouse or your father or mother, whoever, you stay there. I'm staying here. <laughs> don't worry. I don't I don't miss you that much. We can wait eight hours. Allah will take us from below. And take us above to be with us. Allah will elevate us, not descend us. Allah will take us up to be with Imagine now being close to the Prophet and Aisha says, There was nothing more beloved to me at that time than having the Prophet next to me. He looks at me and says, Ya Aisha, Can I go and pray some can I pray some salat? And Aisha says, Ah You know, anyone that's gone to Medina, leaving Medina is difficult. Right? Leaving Medina is, 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 a, is a mission, right? I mean, it's perhaps one of the most difficult things to do on that trip, is to leave Medina. She says, go ahead, Ya Rasulullah. And the Prophet starts praying. And she says, he starts praying, and I see him tearing, his beard gets wet, he goes into ruku, his, the ground gets wet, he goes into sajda, I think he's about to pass away, because how long a sajda is, continues all the way till Fajr. And I look to him and I say to him, Ya Rasulullah, has Allah not forgiven your sins? Why are you killing yourself for it? Figuratively. Why, figure a speech. Why are you killing yourself? And the Prophet said, I want to become someone that can show my gratitude to Allah. In that difficulty, there was this. In that difficulty, for us, dear sisters and brothers, in this ease, what are we doing? This is ease. We have a beautiful room. We have our families, we have our homes. In this ease, what are we doing? When was the last time I actually sat down for a few moments and just said, you know what, nothing else but raising my hands. Nothing else but turning towards Allah.